welcome to the Families Voices podcast. Our podcast today is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I wish to acknowledge them as traditional owners. I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. The Family Voices podcast is a series of conversations with families of young children with a developmental delay or disability. We aim to build parents' knowledge, skills and confidence in navigating early childhood services and supports. The podcast is also an opportunity for families to share their stories. This podcast series is brought to you by Early Childhood Intervention Australia, VicTAS. We're a membership-based organisation that's proudly worked alongside families, practitioners and other organisations that provide supports for young children with disability or developmental delay and their families for over 35 years. To learn more about the podcast and our organisation, please visit ekiavic.org.au. Hello, I'm Kerry Ball and it's my real pleasure today to introduce Kate who I know is really keen to talk with us about a whole uh, range of issues related to her family. Welcome, Kate. Hello. How are you, Kerry? Great to have you with us. Let's just get started, Kate, and, and hear a bit about your family. In the- okay, well, thank you. Yeah, well, um, so my daughter is Bridget, and um, I suppose going back to the start, we found out during the pregnancy that Bridget had quite a few serious health issues and an intellectual disability. And my husband and I made a conscious decision to go ahead with the pregnancy, confident that we could give her a good life and uh, help her reach her full potential. And I suppose that's what we've been working on ever since. So, um, you know, over the years, there were many operations. She's got a number of artificial parts in the body and AIDS uh, and there is no doubt that when she was young, for us, that was an enormous focus for us, her disability and her health issues. But Bridget's now 25 years old and uh, she still has her health issues and has her disability, but she's really emerged through it all to be an adorable adult and her own person and a recognised artist. Yes, I want yeah. to hear more about that because I've seen yeah. some of her work. It's so impressive. Maybe you could talk with us a bit about your interest in Bridget's inclusion because I know that's something that's been really important to you, her inclusion in family life but also school and community. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose Bridget um, is the first of our three children and I had no, we had no family, uh, you know, nearby and life was pretty hectic. And so on so many levels, everything was sort of new and unknown to us. And so information was really important. So I suppose that's really where I had a real need to understand what was current thinking in the disability sector. Mm-hmm. And I needed to understand it. And it was all totally new. You know, I had really not any knowledge of disability And probably one of the first things I learned about was inclusion. And I learned that, you know, Bridget had rights and I learned that it wasn't always easy. And I suppose I learned that I had to be an advocate for Bridget. And, you know, inclusion, I think, in the disability sector can be controversial as well. Uh, And so 
I, I really jumped on inclusion. I love the idea of community and being a part of the community and her being a part of the community. Mm-hmm. And I always thought because our three children are close in age, there's only three and a half years between the three of them, I was very aware of keeping things equal between the three of them as well. And I could never imagine facing them and saying, you're going to different schools. You know, for example, you know, that every day they would be separated and the difference between them would be highlighted. Mm-hmm. So to me on that level, inclusion and Bridget being able to do what her sisters were doing, I mean, that would have been heartbreaking for her to be separated from them and when they were so close. So they went to the same swimming classes, they did karate together, they had the same tennis lessons at school, they went to the same primary school and they all went to the same secondary school as well. So when I say about inclusion being controversial, I probably, you know, had got the message that I was very single focused about inclusion. But then it came to, you know, Bridget's Swimming Club, and that was a swimming club specifically for people with a disability. So, you know, I had to understand, okay, that's a segregated model, but she's going to learn how to swim and that's going to include her in the community. So, you know, it's not always black and white. And I think a lot of parents really struggle with, you know, can I include my child? And if they can't always include them in everything, you know, it's that feeling that they're not doing the right thing. But, you know, it's horses for courses, I've learned. And where possible, um, you know, that's really what you're aiming for. Mm. I'm, I'm really interested in, in hearing you talk about that, Kate, because you're talking about her inclusion in family life. That is, you wanted her to be doing things with her sisters and, and uh, doing swimming lessons and tennis and karate and so on with her sisters, but you were also wanting her included in school life and later in, in community life as well. So it's interesting to hear about those three aspects. I understand that you've had a very clear long-term vision for Bridget from when she was uh, a little girl, what was her vision when she was very young? Yeah, as I said, we always wanted her to reach her full potential. And, um, and again, I always go back to information. It's been so important to us. Um, you know, we always um, celebrate Bridget and say, if Bridget wasn't in our family, we wouldn't have probably had the information that we've got to raise the other two mm-hmm. as well. That, you know, we just had such great information like, you know, learning how to play with your child, learning how to communicate with your child, learning how to manage behaviour problems. And I suppose one of the other great bits of information was going to a conference and hearing about having a vision for your child. And often, like, the information that we would get would be, you know, a bit piecemeal and I'd always just think if I pick up one thing that's useful and I can take that home, that's great. And this was about having a vision for your child and then when you're making plans and working out things that you're going to do with your child, to check it against your vision if if it's going to stack up. And so that was always the rule that we did. So I suppose broadly we wanted Bridget to work and to live independently and to have friends. So, you know, when we would be looking at different things, we would be measuring it up against that. Like, for example, when Bridget started in high school, you know, it would have been very convenient for her to get school transport to and from school. But catching the bus to and from school taught Bridget, you know, about the bus lines and about how to navigate for herself. And, you know, it took almost a whole school year to bed down 
um, the transport for her getting to school. Um, but now that um, she's 25, she can get herself around our extended neighbourhood of Sydney, following the transport up, up on her phone. And in fact, it was really those six years of daily repetition through her high school years that gave Bridget the confidence to continue on the buses post-school. So, you know, and that was because we had a vision about her being independent and we knew if we had in her taxi, she wouldn't have ended up learning that. And that has really been an important skill for her. Yeah. yeah. So your, your big picture has then helped you make the smaller decisions as uh, she's been growing up. What, what about your vision? Is it, is it changed over time, Kate? Well, we still haven't got there. Yeah. So it's still a, uh, a work in progress. But, no, I think those still fundamentals apply yeah. mm. and it still works to, to check in against it. And we have changed things mm. over the years, that things that we thought were working and then we sort of looked at it and went, actually, no, it's not really working. This isn't the right direction and we're, we've yeah. moved to something else. Yeah, yeah. And, and what about Bridget's um, dreams and aspirations for herself? What do you know about them? Well, it's interesting because Bridget went to um, a mainstream school, there were definitely issues with that. But I, I think, you know, that's probably the case with any education system at the moment. Nothing is perfect. But what was fantastic for her was that she had the opportunity to do electives and have work placements. So for her, she left school pretty clear that she didn't want to work in hospitality and she didn't want to work in retail, mainly because she had to talk to people and she would like to work in an office. So um, for Bridget, that was something that was very clear for her that she had that opportunity to do. Yeah. And then things have changed because I I now know that she's an artist. You mentioned it earlier and I'd love to hear more about that. So she wanted to work in an office, but her interests have changed over time. Tell, oh, yeah. tell us, tell yeah. us about that. Yeah. Well, I, ha I have to say from the start that Bridget was not a Picasso from birth. But like her sisters, she did like to colour in. So I've got colouring in books of Bridget's when she was little and what she would do was very carefully colour in between all the lines and at the end of a drawing it would be all one colour, like it would be all green. So she'd have a whole page of green that she'd carefully gone around and she'd have pages and pages and books and books of monocoloured drawings and what we realised was that she didn't understand about changing colours. Mm. So then my sister gave her a colour by number book for Christmas one year and each area required a different colour depending on the number. So, you know, red was one and blue was two and three was yellow, that sort of thing. Um, so for Bridget, this was a revelation and she just marvelled at what she was producing, these colourful drawings so, you know, on Boxing Day, she was in the garden colouring for six hours. She just couldn't get enough of it. And I think that was a real turning point in Bridget's art development. And it also highlighted that she needed some guidance, like any of us do. Mm -hmm. um, 
so she did uh, in year 12 and she wanted to continue that when she left school. But when Bridget left school, there were many programs available for Bridget to attend, but often they were sort of repetitive weekly activities and they were more around filling in a day than actually being really meaningful or interesting for the individual, particularly when Bridget had identified what it was she wanted to do post-school. Um, and because Bridget is almost totally nonverbal and is shy, she usually stays in the shadows. So being in a big group wasn't going to be a lot of benefit for her. And this is where the NDIS was a real life changer. Because we manage Bridget's NDIS plan, we were able to make it very individualised around her instead of her fitting into a group session. So because Bridget had identified that she wanted to do art and work in an office, and she also loves singing and she needed support to develop friendships. And hence, this is where what we call the model was developed. Yeah. So it was an individual approach. It was centred around Bridget with people who were tuned into her and with the experience in their field um, to develop her interests. So number one importance for us was to build a team around Bridget mm. who could connect with her and relate to her. So instead of employing people on staffing sites, when I met someone who really had a genuine connection with Bridget, who understood her and who she responds to, then that was the person who I would employ. Uh-huh. And, um, and so when I was employing, I was employing with a longer-term view. Mm. So still, we come back to this vision, don't we? The longer term view and what your vision was for Bridget and what her aspirations were in terms yeah. of wanting to work in an office, loving singing, uh, needing yeah. to develop friendships and a, and a love of art. Exactly. And, you know, it meant that we had like a small team around her that supports her and understands um, what we're doing and what we're planning for. So, you know, it, it was a really crucial point for us and it's really, um, you know, over the longer term. So for Bridget, back to her art, um, we developed an art plan for her and we employed an art tutor who has been with her for six years and they meet for about an hour and a half on a Friday morning and go for walks and look at things and do sketches and she's been a really integral part of Bridget's art development. Um, she goes to an art school and then last year, well, we had an art plan and we got everyone together and from the art plan, someone said, well, she should really be having an art exhibition. But it never occurred to us. We sort of looked and like, is Bridget up to doing that? Oh, okay. So um, they applied for her and she was accepted to have a solo art exhibition for two weeks last year um, and of course COVID got in the way but you know as things kind of turn out it was the best thing really because Bridget would have been so shy if we were planning an opening night and she would have hated it and what we ended up doing was we got permission to go into the art gallery and hang all the artwork and it could only be our family because we're in the middle of COVID um, and then we videoed all of the pieces and um, Bridget's clever little sister put it all together one sister videoed the other put it all together into a um a video of the exhibition and so she had a fun video of Bridget around the exhibition and then had another more serious one with all the artworks labeled and that went online they sorted out her social media pages 
and it just went nuts. Mm. And she got all these followers and people were contacting us to buy her artwork. Uh, she then was asked to speak at a family conference about following her interests. Mm. Then she got a grant from a, um, a venture capital organisation for young entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And it's just things have sort of snowballed from there beyond what we ever thought was possible. She was commissioned to do some outdoor artwork for a rooftop garden in a gallery in Redfern, and now she's an artist in residence there. Mm-hmm. This has all just been in the last 12 months. It's just so uh, wonderful to hear about Kate. It's exciting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is exciting. But, you know, I think it's really interesting because obviously Bridget has this skill and I just think, okay, she's got a disability, but not to always just focus on that. She needs extra supports, but there are other things with Bridget besides her health issues and her disability. Yeah. Well, you've you've painted a very clear picture for us about that. So um, thank you. I'm interested in hearing a bit about her sisters. You've mentioned that Bridget has two younger sisters and they've been involved in recent times in supporting her with her exhibition and so on. Can you talk a bit more about them and their role in in being a sister of Bridget and and being involved in her activities? Yeah. Well, all three sisters are very important to each other, I have to say. Uh Um, Because they've grown up together, they've been educated together, uh, they are very close and uh, they understand each other. Um, And through school, Bridget's sisters were often her advocates, so they learnt that from a young age. And being educated together, Bridget was well known to all of their friends. Uh, and now with this latest art explosion, they're so proud of her art achievements and the recognition that she's getting. So, you know, that's been great. Like a lot of their friends have bought her art mm. and uh, and they, they've bought her art because they genuinely love her art. Yeah. And the, the business where one of our daughters works casually Recently, unprompted, they purchased 11 of Bridget's artworks for their office. Um, And she was so uh, immensely proud as her work colleagues gushed over Bridget's artworks. You know, it was really lovely. And Bridget's youngest sister has been actively involved in the development of social media, and that's been a lovely way for the two of them to connect in a really positive way. Mm. So... Bridget also had the opportunity to study art and music at Sydney Uni as part of the Unity Beyond program. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another thing. Her two sisters are at university and Bridget went to university for two years. That, you know, just they're they're doing the same sort of things and, you know, it's all relatable and it's all equal and it's great. Yeah. It's great for us to hear about that. And in particular, Kate, our previous podcast was about siblings. So I think you talking about your three girls in this way helps us to understand about relationships uh, within family. So thanks for thanks yeah. for sharing that with us. I keep going back to information and how important it is. You know, we also uh, were lucky enough to go to um, one of Kate Strom's talks on siblings, you know, when they were young. So it really informed us because I don't suppose I had really thought about the impact on the other two of having Bridget as a sister. And uh, so that was fantastic because they'd be at school and um, one of their friends would say, so why doesn't Bridget talk? And they'd turn around and because Kate Strom had said, 
it's really important the sibling knows what their sibling's issue is and is able to articulate it. Mm. So, you know, they would be in the um, schoolyard and they'd say, well, she's got Down syndrome, that's why she can't talk. And the friends would go, oh, okay, oh, fine, all right. (laughs) So, you know, it was just great that we kind of were aware of the sibling issues and that was the other reason why I really wanted to make everything very equal for the three of them Mm. and particularly around behaviour. And so when they were all together, Bridget had some boundaries and had some plan for managing her behaviour, like transitions were difficult at school and things like that. And, you know, behaviours can have a big impact on siblings, not just socially, but, you know, at home. If, uh, you know, things are disrupted um, because of behaviour, then everyone's thrown out by it. Mm. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. In terms of Bridget, can you tell us a little bit about what it means to her or or to you all that she's so engaged in her art and her other interests now? What, what does that mean for you and her sisters? I think for all of us, we're just so, so happy for her because the art is important to her on so many different levels. Mm. Um, it's meditative. It's giving her recognition. Um, It's giving her an income uh, at her office job. We have a series of cards made up that have come from her artwork and she has the cards on a stand by her desk. So when you're predominantly nonverbal, you're not going to be telling people that you're an artist. And so her work colleagues you know, are just blown away. Oh, my God, these are your artworks, Bridget. So it gives them another look at Bridget without her having to do anything. And all of that just makes her so happy and that she's happy. Yes. And it seems to me from what you're saying that she she perceives herself as an artist. Yes, she does. So um, with this conference talk that we did, we had to, over a number of weeks, develop a script for her. You know, for a nonverbal person to be asked to um, speak at a conference was quite a challenge. But in it, you know, it said, I'm an artist. Anyway, Bridget just took that on and uh, someone was saying to her, so what would you like to do, Bridget? And Bridget just turned to her and she said, I am an artist. And we thought, wow, that is so great. Like, that is what I am doing it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do, I'm doing it now. Yeah, yeah. It's so brilliant. Yeah, so brilliant. Yeah, so brilliant. What a yeah. what a fabulous story and inspiration. And we'll share information about where people can uh, look at some of Bridget's oh, work. That we'll put that on the podcast too. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the other thing that uh, when Bridget's sister was young, she asked me if she'd be looking after Bridget when she was older. And I, I said that um, you know she wouldn't be doing any hands-on caring for Bridget but she may be overseeing her care and um, managing and overseeing Bridget's care and her life is really the model that we're working on, Uh that we're not doing the hands-on, we're just overseeing and and doing the planning. So with a lot of these things, like with her art and she's got her glee club as well, um, we're not doing it all. We're, We're having the ideas and then we're outsourcing it. So, you know, that is the model of Bridget's care. Mm, mm. I think we need to take a step back and hear about Glee Club that you've just thrown in there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, Bridget loves singing 
and she loves watching the TV show Glee. Mm-hmm. And in Glee, they had a Glee club. Anyway, so someone, not me, came up with a brilliant idea of developing a Glee club for Bridget because her goals were to increase her speech and communication and to build friendships. Mm-hmm. So we decided to do that around a singing group. So we hired a singing teacher and we hired the local hall and we invited some of Bridget's friends along. And every Wednesday, Bridget and her friends would meet for Bridget's Glee Club. And it was Bridget's Glee Club. And because we manage the club, we can add aspects to the group that we want, uh, which fit in with the overall plan for Bridget. You know, for example, there's always a group chat at the start which is to encourage speech and to build friendships and to build confidence. And Bridget manages the group. So she opens the hall up and she turns on the lights and gets the aircon going and brings refreshments. And so it's creating independence and confidence and it's building connections and building friendships. Mm. So um, Carly Ann um, started as the singing teacher but because of a great connection with Bridget and with the group that over time her role has expanded into a far more social one. They go out on outings, they go to karaoke, they have sleepovers, they go to the movies. And so this group is just like a perfect example of mm-hmm. how we could sort of fit everything into a fun activity for Bridget that was ticking a lot of boxes that was individualised. Yeah, that's great to hear. I'm glad we dug into that because you've given an example of her art and her as an artist and how you've been able to pick up on those issues of friendship and developing her speech and and her interests and so on. But Glee Club's doing the same thing. Yeah, and they love it. And then so with COVID, we set up another group on another night um, and, again, facilitated. So Carly Ann facilitates that group and because she sort of plans with us she knows you know what the hidden agendas are behind the friendship group and to encourage friendship and conversation yeah. and everything else so that's the second group that they um they go out and now that COVID's over they're a lot more social and mm-hmm. they've just been to the zoo to vivid and you know and Bridget really loves it and like that's a really sort of solid group now but, yeah, the key was it being facilitated and us not doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I have, I, I feel so invigorated hearing this story and hearing how you've supported Bridget as she's been emerging over the years and, and now she's an artist and she's got her glee club and her fabulous sisters around her. It's great to hear. Have you got any other final thoughts, Kate, that you'd like to share with people who are listening to the podcast? Well, I think, as I sort of mentioned, the information is so important that, you know, like anything, you need context. And for me, information is so important. And, you know, for most parents who come into this, they don't have any previous experience of disability and it can be overwhelming and it can be confusing, I suppose. So I saw it as my business to understand current thinking on what is best practice for people with a disability. So, you know, to talk to other parents and to build a network and a community. And I suppose it was only with that knowledge of inclusion and the current practices and what's current thinking these days that we were able to sort of confidently make our way with Bridget. And really, just like you would do with any child, Mm, what we're doing with Bridget, we're doing in a different context with our other two. Yeah. 
and yeah. there was just this new area that you would do that with any child. Mm. You know, what we're talking about is just following your child's interest really and following their lead. So Bridget kind of always gave us the lead of what she wanted to do with the office work and with the singing and with the art and then to support them as best you can as a parent, as you would with any child. Mm-hmm. As you have for uh, all three of your daughters. <laughs> yeah, and it's accepting that, you know, there's a disability, but it's not seeing it as stopping people living their full active life in mainstream society. Mm. And but, well, but acknowledging there's vulnerabilities and there's additional needs as well. Sure. Well, thank you, Kate. You you have talked about information quite a bit uh, through our conversation, and I think what you're doing today is sharing information with other families that will help them to navigate and make decisions. And and you've shared some really important insights. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. I'm always enthused when I hear about young people thriving by following their interests. Kate's story about Bridget has been just that. I was interested to hear that when Bridget was young, Kate had a very clear long-term vision that was about Bridget reaching her potential, having meaningful work, having friends and living independently. Kate talked about how she would measure things up against that or check that what they were doing to support Bridget was in line with their vision. And of course, Bridget has dreams and aspirations of her own. So the family understood these hopes and interests in order to encourage Bridget and provide her with a broad range of experiences. Wasn't it fabulous to hear this focus on interests led to activities like Glee Club? It seemed that Glee Club was using Bridget's current interests to build her confidence, make friends, and develop her communication skills in a fun and engaging way. It was also great to learn about Bridget's growth as an artist and how that has provided her with so much, including recognition and an income. You can see some of her work on Instagram if you look up Bridget Does Art. Kate spoke really strongly about inclusion and her focus on Bridget doing the things her sisters do, like tennis, karate and going to the same school. It seemed that inclusion was about Bridget being part of family life, school life and community life. Kate said that her focus on inclusion came from information she gathered by listening to others, going to conferences and reading about current thinking and research on relevant issues. Listening to others is always powerful. I find Family Voices podcasts a great way for me to really listen to the perspectives and experience of parents. I learn something every time. you've enjoyed this episode of family voices make sure you subscribe on your podcast app and feel free to leave a review to help us gain more of an understanding of what types of conversations are helpful to you more information about the podcast can be found on ekiavic.org.au until next time thank you for listening